0: On this episode, you'll learn three tax savers that cannot wait for year-end. Topics will include what tax tips are not time-sensitive, three tax strategies that you must look into right now, not wait for the end of the year, and finally, one problem with sole proprietorships. As always, if this episode helps you or brings you value in any way, please do us a favor, share with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Happy New Year, everybody! Hope 2022 was fantastic for you, and you enjoyed the the break with the holidays. If you spent November or December doing your tax planning, this this show will be for you. Um, Before I dive in, um, just a reminder, if this is your first time listening, welcome. Appreciate you joining us and kicking off the year with us. Um, But there are two formats of the show. Uh, The first format is like today. It's a solo episode where we can go really deep on a specific topic, whether it's finance, tax, wealth management, business planning, whatever it is. But I can give you... These are the areas that I have the expertise and I can do my best to give you the step-by-step instructions on what you need to do and fill in some of the holes in case you're, you're curious about um, what you need to do for a specific strategic uh, financial strategy or tax strategy. The second type of show is where we bring on a guest where they're an expert in either they help support the fitness industry, either in the marketing side, business coaching side, sales, whatever it is, or maybe they're similar to myself, and they, they maybe are a lawyer supporting your industry um, or they're a colleague of yours and just talking about things they've done, it's the obstacles they've overcome and different successes they've had and challenges. So today's episode, like like you saw when you clicked on it, is a solo episode. And to get back to what I, was, I started off in the beginning saying, if you spent November and December Doing tax planning, if that was the first time you've ever done so, you probably learned a lot. And so if you're working with your tax advisor or accountant, and I've said in prior episodes, I'll say it again for people that might be new to listening or you know, repetition is helpful. Your tax advisor may not be your accountant. Um, a lot of accountants, they mostly do, the majority of accountants, I should say, do tax preparation, tax filing, um, which is incredibly vital because those people are experts in recording history on what you've done in the the prior year, making sure they let the IRS know documents, uh, document everything, and and they help with the record keeping so that I can, like for instance, with my clients, we do all the tax strategy, the tax planning, but we need to make sure someone is filling out the paperwork to let the IRS know what we did and how we record kept it. and so the, they two they play a part together. But if this is your first, if that was your first time doing tax planning, or if you've never done tax planning, that's usually done at the end of the year. And the reason is because you have a pretty good idea what your tax liability was for that year, and then you can go through and strategically find ways to lower that or increase it, depending on your specific situation. And, and yes, sometimes you do want to increase it um for a couple of strategic purposes one that most people are aware of is real estate if you're looking if in 2022 you knew in 2023 you were going to buy an investment property or a primary residence or vacation property whatever it is you knew that you would have some lending requirements you probably wanted to get an idea where you wanted your income to be and make sure you didn't deduct away all of your income and then you go to a bank and they're like you didn't make any money last year we don't want to lend to you So, that's one reason that you might strategically, in one particular year or so, want to pay a little more tax because you want more income on your tax return for borrowing. The other reason is because the ultimate goal of tax planning is not to pay as little as possible on any given year, it's to pay as little as possible over a lifetime. So, there's some forethought to that. As an example, if your business is growing rapidly, and in 2022, you did the math and you're like, okay, you know, you're know, you going to have $300,000 worth of profit this year. And if you're working with someone who's doing some projections for you, you're like, but at the growth rate we're on and how many new clients we're bringing on, we're probably going to have, let's just keep the math simple, we're going to double. And next year, you're going to have $600,000 worth of profit. So some of the tax strategies... The, of whittling down your 300 000 to as little as possible in 2022 may not be as advantageous for you as if comparatively to maybe i'll use an example that i don't like but i'll just use that as an example a lot of people will go out and buy a car in december that they don't need to lower their taxes now again i don't like i don't like the idea of buying an, an expense that You don't think you're going to get a return on just to get a tax deduction and the reason for that is because you don't get um you don't actually get dollar for dollar back so for example if you buy a hundred thousand dollar car just to get a tax deduction you're assuming you're let's just keep the math simple and say that with all your federal and state and all all of it combined you're you're about 50 percent on your tax brackets well you spent a hundred thousand dollars to save 50. so you still spend hundred thousand dollars, so I wouldn't argue that's a good in, that's a good use of a tax deduction compared to if you bought a hundred thousand dollar mastermind course that is going to give you uh, a double or triple on your revenue for the upcoming years. That, in my opinion, is a is a no brainer because you're yes, you took the tax deduction, but you're getting a return on that. So that's just a brief aside to the way I look at tax planning. But to get back to the example of that $100,000 expense with a a vehicle, um, now take out all the fact that some of the things are changing with bonus depreciation, stuff like that. Just just keep everything simple. In that hypothetical we said before, where you're like, oh, I'm going to have $300,000 worth of profit. And next year, I'm projected to have $600,000 worth of profit. Well... Buying that car in December to get yourself down to let's say two hundred thousand dollars may not be as impactful as if you did that same decision in January because you're like, well, this year I'm going to have bringing me from six hundred to five hundred might be more impactful than bringing myself from three hundred to two hundred from a tax bracket perspective. So that's one of the reasons that tax planning. I don't agree with a lot of accountants that are just doing their best to get you to pay as little as humanly possible this particular year and not taking into consideration the future because some of those deductions might be much more impactful for you in the future. And so just to take that one step further, that's one of the other reasons that if you're just starting your business and, and I don't mean that in terms of age, I mean that in terms of the, the revenue and the profit in your business. If it's on the lower end from a tax perspective, when you're talking about retirement planning, a lot of accountants, I'm not going to say they get it wrong because there's no right or wrong, but I don't agree with a lot of accountants that will say to take a tax deduction in certain retirement vehicles when their clients are on the lower end of the tax brackets because their business is just ramping up. There's other accounts like the Roths and things like that that in my opinion, and again, the, I pepper this podcast with disclaimers that this is education, it's not advice. But in my opinion, when you're looking at people that are on the earlier end of their business career in terms of the revenue that they will likely be generating in five or 10 years compared to now, revenue and profit, I'm comfortable with paying the taxes today and putting that those dollars into vehicles that will never pay tax again. Versus taking someone in a fairly low tax bracket and maximizing their deductions, knowing that their, their goals are to ramp up that profit over the next few decades. Um, I feel like they're, they're just trying to, it's a term I'm looking for. They take a victory lap with your money when you're young because they can sit down with you and say, Hey, you're, you know, I, I shaved a couple thousand dollars off of your tax return or tax liability um because of these strategies i mean that's cool and if, if you don't know what you're talking about and i don't mean that in a bad way but like if that's not your expertise you would be like great like i i was going to owe 20,000 and now i owe 18 like awesome but if you are sitting down with someone that's looking at the big picture it's like yeah well that $2000 might be better served for you to pay it today and then put that that thing to work and then when you're 40 50 years old or conversely, when you're if you're double tripling your profit in the next few years, that same strategy could potentially have saved you like ten thousand dollars. So I don't want to give any specific examples here, but that's just I want to emphasize, and I say it on a lot of episodes that you know this is where I sometimes butt heads with accountants because they're obsessed with trying to do their best to lower your tax liability on any given year, and sometimes I feel like, especially when it comes to retirement plan accounts. That can be extremely short sighted. And um, I also feel like that's that's the world of the financial planner. And sometimes the accountants are in there making those recommendations. And I don't think I don't think they're because of what they do, they they're focused. And I'm not using this is actually a positive. They're so focused on the rear view mirror that I don't think their advice is always so helpful when we're forward looking. Like as financial planners, we're always forward looking. Because that's our job. (laughs) In fact, it's sort of bullshit in a way because like we're trying to project out what your expenses are going to be in your 70s when you're in your 20s or 30s. I mean, it's pretty unrealistic that we're just ballparking wildly, but it's the mindset that we're looking out into the future to try to make strategic moves now that will have a huge impact in the future, but like the little things we can do today. And sometimes those little things that we can do today when you put on your tax hat, and your financial planning had it's like, oh, the little things we can do today is pay a little more taxes in this category for massive output 30, 40, 50 years from now. Um So where I'm going with all that, because that was a much longer intro than I was anticipating, but the reason I'm bringing all this up about tax planning and tax strategy in the beginning of the year is because if you did sit down in November and December, you probably learned, if this was your first rodeo doing tax planning, you probably learned there's certain things or certain strategies that you can't implement at the end of the year. It's too late. And so you want to start thinking about about these things all year round. And there's these three things I'm going to bring up today. Again, you want to be going over them in your head or putting a plan together now. And once I go through them, you'll see why. Because again, like we said, a lot of tax strategies are not time-sensitive because if you went and bought... Um, I don't know why I'm all of a sudden blanking on a good example, but if you bought a business coaching course for $500 in 2022, there's n- that's not tax planning. Your, your accountant, your bookkeeper, your tax advisor, whoever's helping you get organized for 2022 taxes, they can go and find that expense and record it properly and take the deduction. That's not planning per se. That's more of like the organizational side because it's going to save you money if you are organized, because if you sit down with your accountant or your tax advisor in March or April, or even December, and you're trying to figure this stuff out, if you have everything commingled and getting to the bottom line of what you actually owe or what your profit was, if that takes twice as long because you're disorganized, you're likely gonna pay for those hours. But my point is, if you have a legitimate expense like that, like you bought a $500 business course to help you um, organize your business or grow your revenue, that's a business expense, whether you plan for it in November, December, or even up until March or April, because you're just recording history. However, the ones we're gonna go over today, they're not as simple as just, hey, tax helper, sitting down with them in march and going back to last year it's too late so here's the first one and that's paying friends and family and the reason is because the money needs to go in the proper sequence of events so if you're paying your kids or you're paying your parents again income shifting is a huge part of tax planning because there's a good chance that if your parents are retired maybe they don't have any income anymore they're just living off their investments then their income might be lower than it is it was when they were working so if that's the case and maybe you're financially supporting them and they help you a little bit in the business you need to be paying them through the business because you need that paper trail like you can't just be like if you normally would just give them you know fifty thousand dollars a year as a quote unquote gift, you know, have them do something in the business. Again, you can't make this stuff up. So you can't just sit down like, oh, I'll just pretend my parents um, you know, came with me to certain like group programs and, and did the organization, whatever it is. Like I'm that's a bad example. But but you can't just make up that your parents did something and then turn that gift into a business expense. You need to have them working in the business doing whatever they are they might just be a consultant for you maybe your parents are retired and they were entrepreneurs you know put them on your board of advisors like note the meetings that you did and then pay them for it so that's that's the one same thing with the kids they have to have actually done something you can't just be like oh i gave my kids ten thousand dollars last year because you had to pay them to do to you had to pay for their expenses like a parent but they need to have done something in the business. You can't make that stuff up. So tracking what they actually did, making sure they actually did the work. If your kids are age appropriate to help you in your business, and that could really vary. You know, maybe they have, maybe they have editing skills, so they're, they're they can or are doing some of your social media editing or helping you shoot content if you have like a home gym or something like that. Like there's there's things that they either could be doing or. You want them to be doing, but you can't make it up. So, like, if you sat down with someone in November, December, and they're like, "Hey, why don't we pay your kids?" Like, and they walk you through that whole strategy on how you can pay your kids—it's tax-free—and then you put it into a Roth, and then it's tax-free. And you know, that's how you get—you can gift your kids millions tax-free. Well, I shouldn't say gifting, but you get the idea. You're doing it legit, Um, but you can't make it up. So you need to. Now, if if you just learned about that strategy last year, you're like, damn, like I didn't, I didn't know about that. Well, this is why starting January you need to p- prepare for it because if you want to maximize that, you want to make sure, like, as again, using your kids as an example, you want to start making note now. It could be like a, just a spreadsheet that you document what they're doing, how many hours they're doing it, what you're paying them, and so then going forward, you're paying them from a business account. Now, if you're an S corp. There's an extra step involved. I'm not getting into the details in this episode. Well, maybe I could a little bit. Um, But basically, if, if you're a sole proprietorship or an LLC and you're the biological parents or the legal adopted parents of your kids, then you can just pay them directly from the business into their personal account. But you need that transaction. It has to be either a business account, if it's an LLC, or the account that you use for business, if you're a sole prop. And then you make a transfer to the kids, but you again you need that paper trail to make this thing legit. You can't just pay them from your personal checking into their personal checking, and then say, "Oh, well, they did some work for me." It needs so, like again, that's why there's deadlines of the current year because that's that paper trail needs to exist in case you're ever audited. Um, same thing again, like with the parents, you can't be like, "Oh, I usually give my parents money. I'll just pretend they worked in the business." You need to have documented what they're actually doing for you. So if that's the case, you have all year for 2023 to talk to your parents like this is what you're going to do, these are our, if you're going to be a board of advisor because you can consult, then these are the meetings, this is what I'm going to pay you. And that way you're getting a tax deduction. You know, you're going to for your parents for as an example, you're going to have to 1099 them. For your kids you do not. You don't 1099 your kids, you do not W2 your kids. Reach out to me for more details on that, but don't 1099 or or W2 your kids under 18. So, but you need all year to strategize this plan. Let's take it one step further. Let's even throw friends into the mix here. If your friends are legitimately part of your business, whether they consult for you, maybe they do some of your social media, maybe they help you with coaching, maybe they have a skill set that they come in and help your clients from time to time. Those sorts of things are really nice to have strategically because if you're going out to dinner with them anyway, just because they're your friend, you know, if they're in your business, those could be legitimate business meals as um, now, unfortunately, in 2023, it drops from 100% down to 50 again, 50% that is. But again, now you're turning more personal expenses into legitimate business expenses because parents, family, kids, friends, some of those business some of those meals can now be business because you you've a log of what they do, you're paying them appropriately, there's a legitimate business trail of how they're involved in your business. So some of your your travel and and meals can be legitimate business expenses now. So, and again, you can't make that stuff up in hindsight. Like if you if you have a business partner, and you just haven't recorded it properly last year, like you've already paid them or it's your spouse and you're going back last year, that's different. Because again, that's where you, you were just disorganized. You go back and make sure you, you label things appropriately. But if it's a person that's not in your business that you spend a lot of time with in that scenario, you're finding a legitimate way to make them a part of your business so that you can write off things when you are, Legitimately together, legitimately talking about your business. Okay. Number two is is in the same vein. Vacations. You can't just go back and pretend a vacation was a business vacation unless you have legitimate business purposes for being there. So you want to plan for these things because you might have a wedding coming up in some city. You might have... Um, Maybe just a vacation plan somewhere. You want to do whatever you can now to think about that. And be like, well, what could I do in that city or on that trip that it's a legitimate reason for me to be there and turn it into a vacation? Or think of it from the other way as well. Like, If you have a business meeting somewhere cool, then what can you do to like spend some time there personally because you have business purpose to be there and turn it into something fun that you do? As an example, the way it works with business travel on the weekends is, if you need to be someplace, I'll use Vegas as an example, because I live here, um, and obviously a lot of events are here, a lot of people like to come here. If you have a business meeting on a on a Friday in Vegas, you cannot just stay the weekend in terms of writing off the hotel. Like the flight's gonna be no problem, because again, if you have a, let's say your client of mine and you're flying in to visit me and I, we make our meeting on a Friday morning, Then you plan a party all weekend in Vegas. Your flight's covered because you had to come here to visit me. And so whether you fly out that night or the following Monday, it doesn't matter. You had to fly in and out to meet with me. So the flight's a a deduction. Cool. Simple. It's the hotel that you'll run into problems with because if you get that that Thursday, that's easy because the IRS is like, well, you you had to fly in. So Thursday, you're good. Friday, you're good. But in, in the eyes of the IRS, you would fly out at least Saturday. So you would check out of the hotel Saturday morning, according to the IRS. But you're like, well, no, I want to party all weekend in Vegas. You need to have a business purpose for Monday. So that way, the IRS is like, oh, well, we don't expect you to fly home and then fly back for the Monday meeting. So as that example, if you want the hotel for Saturday night and Sunday night, you need to have a legitimate business purpose for a Monday. So again, let's let's change the location. Let's say you were, you have a business meeting in Miami, you're flying in on a Friday, or sorry, on a Thursday, and your business meeting is Friday, but you plan to hang out and have fun all weekend in Miami. If you want to write off that hotel for Saturday and Sunday, you need to find a legitimate business purpose for Monday and then fly out, you know, Monday night or something like that but you so you can't go and do those things in hindsight you can't just go back and be like well like for 2022 you couldn't be like oh yeah i was in miami and i did have a friday meeting but not a monday meeting and yeah i wrote off i tried to write off saturday and sunday's hotel can't do it so now you have all year these are the things you want to plan ahead because like oh i am going to be in miami on friday for a meeting do whatever you need like book a vendor meeting book you know whatever i'm not going to tell you what to do but Think of ideas like what vendors, what content could you shoot with with people on Monday? Whatever business purpose that you could do, either a meeting or 4 hours of work is what the IRS calls business. So on that Monday, what 4 hours of work could you have there or what meeting do you need to have there to make the rest of it? So, So start thinking ahead. And now also getting back to similar what we talked about before, the people that are part of your business, whether it's friends, family um kids obviously it's part of family but if you want to write off their plane tickets or their hotels things like that they need to be legitimately a part of your business so like did you fly it in there for a board meeting you know what's the purpose of or did you fly it in there because it's your spouse and they help you do xyz in the business so obviously they need to be there too so their flight's deductible because if you're going somewhere and you bring your kids if they're not a part of your business your business can pay for your flight. And if they're staying in your hotel room, then that's fine. You pay for your hotel and they can stay there. That's obviously covered. But if you're getting a different hotel room for your kids or if you're paying for their flight, the business can't pay for their flight if they're not a part of your business. Same thing with a spouse. If, if your spouse is not a part of your business or a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, if they're not a part of your business, obviously, they can stay in your hotel room that the business pays for because that's for you. But your business can't pay for their flight if they're not. So incorporating them in your business legitimately is opening up all these other expenses that you pay for anyway. Because in that scenario with Miami, if you're planning on bringing your significant other, but they're not a part of your business, you have no deduction for their flight. Um, and And also that applies, like I said, to friends or something like that that might be not part of your business, but you wanted to pay for them to... To go travel with you, whatever the case may be. So now you have all year to identify where you're going to be going, whether it's business or personal, and find legitimate ways to make those business. Because a lot of it is hard to do in hindsight. Okay. The third inf- the third one I want to talk about today is S-Corps. <clears throat> now, hold on, I'll take a drink. I should have a co-host or something, because I feel like other podcasts, if they have a co-host. It's probably easier for them to grab a drink while the other person's talking. Other, other perk of when I do the guest episodes. Um, anyway, so the third one is about S-Corps. So S-Corps, is we, we're not going to dive into it deep on this episode. I've had a couple episodes where all I talk about is S-Corps and the tax-saving advantages to them. Let me see if I can pull up the episode numbers real quick while I'm talking, but... It looks like last July, sorry, last February, episode 21, we talked about S-Corps. So if you go back to episode 21, uh, I do a deep dive into S-Corps and the advantages of them, all the perks. But if so, if you're considering doing an S-Corp for 2023, you need to decide in advance because you may have heard like, oh, you can do a late election to an S-corp, which is true. However, the trap people fall into is if you have an LLC, you can go back and do a late election. So hypothetically, let's say you have an LLC already, and now you're rolling into 2023, and you sit down, you're like, Pat, should I be an S-corp? And we're like, "Eh, yeah, right now it doesn't make sense for you. Um, Then we sit back down in October, and we're like, wow, you're killing it. Like Now it makes sense for you to be an S-corp. We can go and do a late election. And if we're approved by the IRS, we go back to January 1 of 2023 and you're good to go. We act like an S-corp for the whole year and get to take advantage of all those tax perks and tax savings. However, the trap people fall into is if they're not anything, they're a sole proprietorship, meaning they don't have an entity. From a tax perspective, an LLC and an S-corp, sorry, take that back. Let me start over. From a tax perspective, an LLC that's owned by one member, one member LLC, and a sole proprietorship, in the eyes of the IRS, they're identical. So I've said on prior episodes, and I'll repeat it here for any new listeners, don't get suckered into an LLC that you can't afford if, if you're in a state where it's expensive or you're just starting up. Don't get suckered into it because someone's like, oh, you need to be an LLC to save taxes. That's bullshit. And a sole proprietorship and a one-member LLC have are the same they fill out the same tax return. They're the same in the eyes of the IRS. Now, where there's a difference is with the S corps. So again, if you're n- no entity at all, you're a sole proprietorship and you're listening to this, you cannot do a late election into an S corp from a sole prop. Only from an LLC. So, if you're considering that you you're like, well, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to ramp up this year, like maybe I had a Maybe you ended last year because they start to make sense around 50, 60K of profit. So maybe you ended last year around that range and you're like, yeah, I'm probably going to want to do that. I would say step one would be to get yourself into an LLC. Because what what you run into is if you wait too long and then you say, okay, come October, November of next year, you're like, yeah, damn, I'm killing it. I have like 200K of profit. Um, now I'll be an S Corp. The problem you're going to run into is you're going to have to file two tax returns because you're going to have to file a tax return, which is going to be on Schedule C for all the months that you were a sole prop. And then the final few months where you were an S-Corp, you'd fill out the S-Corp tax return. The IRS doesn't care that you've only been an S-Corp for a couple of months. They still want that S-Corp return filled out. And most accountants are going to charge you between $1,000 and $2,000 for that return. So that's where the challenge lies for people is that you wait too long in the year the tax savings could be minimal and your administrative costs are probably about the same as if you had been an corp all year round so i'm not telling anyone to be an llc or a sole prop versus like especially for people just starting out and trying to keep their costs down because i hate when people try to push you into an llc i think there's a lot of perks to being an llc but if you're trying to run the business lean and mean by all means, like especially in your starting up phase, be a sole prop, um, because I also don't like seeing people get the LLC for as cheap as humanly possible. And at that point, sometimes they overlook certain it, things that they need to have done for the LLC because they didn't use a legitimate lawyer to help them. So, um, but from a planning perspective, if you're if you think this is the year you need to be an LLC, uh, sorry us an S-corp, one, either just do it right away because the deadline to elect S-corp status is up to March 15th of the current year. So if you're already pretty sure, just talk to your tax advisor and apply for the the S-corp now. But if you're a sole proprietorship and you have no entity, this would be the time to sit down with your tax advisor and say, would this be the right move? Get the LLC, immediately note that you want to be an S-corp, And then you get the full year of tax advantage versus the administrative costs versus waiting until the end of the year and trying to do the same thing. And I don't know, obviously, all the tax advisors out there and the the lawyers or whoever would would help you do these conversions. I don't know if they're going to give you that advice that you might sit down with them in December and they're like, yeah, you should be an S Corp. And here's what I charge you to set it all up. Then you run thousands of dollars of setup and administrative costs, and they don't really tell you that there's very little tax savings in waiting that long. So those are the three. I'll do a quick recap of them. The third one is probably a little bit harder to digest. Um, again, if you think you're on the, the bubble and you keep hearing S-Corps or people have recommended it to you in the past and you haven't sat down and thought much about it, this would be the year to to really sit down and some. This is the time of year, I should say, to sit down with somebody because there's the full year of opportunity of savings for you. So the three, as a quick recap, paying family and friends. Because if you're you need to have you need to actually have them do the work. So you can't wait till the end of the year and say, Well, I'll have my kids work for me in the business and I'll pay them 10 grand. It's like, well, if they didn't do the work, you can't make it up. So plan ahead. Vacation slash business trips, what can you do to add to make a personal business trip, a legitimate business trip? And then when you're on a business trip, what do you need to do to make sure if you're looking to also do some personal time on your business trip? What do you need to do to make it legit so you can like bookend a weekend or, or whatever the case may be to make sure that you are allowed to deduct as much as possible from that trip? And then... Lastly was the S Corp strategy. If you already are, are you, if you're currently a sole proprietorship, this is I'm mostly talking to you. If you're right now up at sole proprietorship and you're out of the quote unquote startup phase where you are you're, you're not as pinching pennies as much, because again, I don't want to encourage anyone to, to start spending a bunch of money just to try to get tax savings. Cause so I said that in the beginning. Like that's why I don't like people that buy cars that they don't need just to get a tax deduction. If you need a new car, it's different. I'm not talking to those people, but if you're just buying it frivolously because you heard it's a tax advantage, I don't like that. Same thing here. I don't like people getting um, encouraged to run up legal bills just to try to save some taxes if it's not the right time. So, for the people who are sole props, if you if you think the S corp strategy might work for you, meaning you're making more than fifty or sixty k in profit, or you're approaching, I should say. I would say step one is get yourself an LLC because then that gives you the flexibility to go back in time and elect the late election for an S-Corp. If you aren't any entity, the earliest that someone could go back for you in terms of the S-Corp is to when the LLC starts. So if you want a little more flexibility, I encourage you to sit down with someone who can help you form that LLC. Um, not, I don't like the, the websites that help with these, just because some of the advice that I just gave you now, if you're sitting down with a human being who's a professional, like a lawyer or an, well, I, don't, I think you should use lawyer when you're setting up entities because these are legal structures, and even some accountants do it. And I don't like it because if they don't do all the documentation that you need, then you're not protecting yourself from if you're ultimately sued in the entity. Like talk to any lawyers, like that's that's their job when they if they enter into a lawsuit with you their job is to try to rip through that LLC. So if it wasn't built by a lawyer who knows what you need to protect that LLC, um, you might not have the protections you think you have. So that's a side note. I, I just want, if if you're going to pay for these things and it's, it's a challenge because I get it. Like you're starting up potentially, or you're at a point where you're trying to maximize your profit and, and cut costs whenever possible. And I, I just think, again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't get paid for, Forming LLCs. If my if someone on my team does it, I just pass out costs along. Um, but I don't want to see people get penny wise and dollar foolish. Is that the saying? I forget. But like, don't try to cut costs to the point where you're getting advice from websites that are not. They're not lawyers. They're not accountants. They're not financial planners. They're not tax advisors. They're just an 800 number saying, "Sign here, and we'll do it for as cheap as possible." I feel like the extra dollars you're you're saving, you're l- really lacking a lot. Again, like that's just what I'm talking about. Like you could sit down with one of those, those here's a better example. Like if you sit down with one of those companies in December and say, Give me an S Corp, they're gonna charge you all that money. Again, maybe, maybe they're half the cost of what like a lawyer would charge. But you're gonna sit down with your accountant a few months later and they're gonna be like, Oh, I see you're an S Corp now. I need to charge you $1,500 to do a return for one month. And you're like, well, I didn't know that. Like that's expensive. So that's what I'm talking about. Like you're, you're potentially opening yourself up to some blind spots. If you use some of those websites that they'll save you money, but you're not really getting the advice from a professional. So again, I'm not, I'm not like shitting on anyone in particular. It just, that's my general philosophy with anything. I don't, I don't like when you're going to a, an 800 number to save a few bucks um, when it comes to like business, things like this. So anyway, those are the three that I I want you to get started on right away because you have all year now to start looking at what you're going to do with, with family members, with travel, um, with the entity structure you have and start deciding what you need to do now to maximize your savings. Because some of these you can't do in hindsight at the end of the year, when we're when all the topics of tax planning start ramping up again for people like myself, you'll be guns blazing with like, yep, I did this business trip. I had these family members with me and here's how I documented it. And you'll save a lot of tax dollars with that uh, forethought. So have a happy new year, everybody, and have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes.